Rachel. Yes, Andy. Um, it's it's, it's Nuke. Can you call me Nuke? <laughs> Can you actually call me Nuke for the rest of the show? Take three. <laughs> I think he wanted that in. Sam. <laughs> oh no! Is that a preview? <laughs> yes, Andy. Um, a lot of the other people on the show have been calling me Nuke. <laughs> What's the best thing you ever saw? Hello and welcome back to Best Thing I Ever Saw, where we savor and digest a cinematic taste test of an athletic genre. And a special thanks to Dylan Stratton for that lovely theme song you just heard and Leah Sardarian for our beautiful thumbnail art. Let's get right into it. What's our, I mean, you hinted at it. What's our, uh, what's our genre for this, for this episode? Sports. Sports. There we go. It's sports. <laughs> That's my job. Um, <laughs> we're doing sports movies of various kinds. Uh, and we always start with our genre journey. And I guess I'll start off. Um, sports movies, I don't know. I think the first ones I remember watching were, like, Remember the Titans was the biggest one of my childhood. I distinctly remember even the Disney Channel would play, like, little behind-the-scenes stingers and stuff at the end of episodes of Disney look? Channel shows. Yeah, it was very well, HBO Disney first Channel look. First look. <laughs> um, and there's like a little like crew of kids that were sort of they're like journalists and they had like a little clubhouse and they would go to movies and like interview people. Brenda's song was one of them and she's like still around. She still does stuff. Um, I distinctly remember the promotion work for Remember the Titans. Remember the Titans then just became like the movie that was played anytime there was a sub in school or anytime you had there's like a movie in the background in gym class. Like it was always on. And generally sports movies, I don't know if you remember this, Sam, in our household where there was this time where there was kind of like a lot of different tastes and like sports movies was for a year or a few years, like the thing that we could all agree that like we'd watch, you know, like everyone could stand watching Field of Dreams together. Everyone could stand watching Miracle together. Like it was kind of the thing that everyone had in common for a while in, in our sort of tweens before we could watch like grown-up movies. Sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, I tend to like gravitate towards them. I like them when they come out. I, I tend to watch them. Um, no like particular sport over another, but this is always a genre that I've been like, yeah, I like sports movies. Maybe until recently. <laughs> it's so been a movie- long couple of months. <laughs> I was, I'm happy to be here. Love to be here. Very excited. No, no. I'm so excited to be talking about them now. But I was, I I said to Rachel yesterday, I don't know what I'm more excited for just doing one of these again or being able to say that it's over and we don't have to schedule a watching of a sports movie anymore. Um, But sports movies in gym class? You said when there would just be a sports movie on in the background in gym class? Whoa. Um, there was what? like in middle school, there was a fitness room. So like 
you would go on the bikes or like yeah, yeah, yeah. the weights and they would put movies on on the TVs. God, and middle school gym class was so dumb. It was there. So in the, in the gym bowling. of gym. Oh my God. Bowling was amazing. <laughs> That's a good sports movie. The Disney Channel original bowling movie. That was a good one. It was a Kaylee Cuoco classic. They spit, spins the ball before put, and just pushes it at the very end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, we've tried to do that so many times at the bowling alley at Circle Lanes. Um, Jandy, your genre journey? Um, nope. Juke. Could you ask juke. Nuke? Maybe ask Nuke what his genre juke. journey. I'll call you Juke. <laughs> uh, hey, I juked a guy last night. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, a lot of these were new to me. A lot of these with um, just a hand outside of a handful of them, I either never saw or I saw once in the theater in the 90s and then really never again. I think maybe the Sandlot, probably like Sandlot and Remember the Titans were the two that I had had seen the most. Um, seen Creed a few times. Uh, went the longest time without seeing Rocky, where it was sort of like a running punchline in my life with amongst other people that... Um, Still hadn't seen Rocky and had really no, once I saw it a few years ago, had like uh, really had a completely different idea of what Rocky is and was uh, delighted to find out that it was something uh, completely different. But um, yeah, a lot of these were, were brand new to me um, outside of a few that I saw in, in the theater. Um, Got to share another like crazy, way too early to be in movie theaters, um, movie theater story. Um, so I guess way to go for my mom for taking me to a league of their own in, um, in 1992 when I was four. <laughs> um, and what sticks out to me the most about that really has nothing to do with League of Their Own. So we, I remember it was a Sunday afternoon and I think we were like, we were like away for the weekend because we saw it. I remember her taking me to a theater that was like not our go-to theater, which was like, and it was like a nicer theater. So it also, so it felt extra special because it wasn't the theater we went to that often. And it was like nicer than some of the sort of dumpy theaters that we went to closer to our home. And um, I just have this memory of sort of like putting around the, the like lobby area and the arcade and the arcade had a dragon's layer two time warp, uh, machine. And if you're not familiar with dragon's layer, so the dragon's layer games are from the eighties, uh, I think dragon's layer is early eighties and dragon's layer two is like 89, so it's like a few years old when the league of their own came out. And um, if you've seen like the trailer for stranger things Two, when they're in the arcade, they're playing dragon's lair. It's like sort of a video game, but like sort of like, I'm sure there's a word for it, but like in the eighties and nineties, it was like big to have those like CD ROM games where like you kind of played, but it, it was just like watching like a cartoon um, or like something narrative where it wasn't like the kind of gameplay we think of. But anyways, um, if nobody is playing Dragon's Lair 2, it runs this like um, attention grabbing cinematic on loop. And it's very sort of jarring and like very like psychosexual for a four year old where there's this very bosomy Viking woman 
in parts of it and this like goblin-esque creature that kidnaps a woman in like a very sort of like assaulting like unsavory way and it really like stuck in my head of like I'm excited that I'm at the movie theater, but like, this is wrong and I shouldn't be watching this, but it's like very tantalized, not tantalized, but it's like very like mesmerizing. And like, you, I felt like I was like getting away with something and that image, that loop of the like promotion of Dragon's Lair 2 <laughs> has stuck in my head for a long time. And then you get the, the one, two punch of like, seeing like a pretty like heavy movie for a four-year-old, a league of their own. Um, especially toward, towards the end, once it sort of matches up with um, like the present time and the actual, or I guess it's not the actual, I think it's like part. So at the end of a league of their own, when the credits are rolling, those are actual players, but the grown up versions are actresses. So they didn't, so there's like three layers of people representing the players, but once it, I mean, it's just so emotional once they're at Cooperstown. And then once the credits start rolling, I think it was like, I mean, it had to have been one of the first movies I saw where it was like, oh, like a movie can sort of like turn on its heel like this and totally wreck you and go from like kind of silly and zany to like, oh, now this used to be my playground is playing. <laughs> and I have not been, is this the first time we watched it a week ago? It was the first time I'd seen it since the theater in 92. And I've been able to recite at least half of this used to be my playground for the last 20 years because it's just so haunting and impressionable. Um, yeah. So a lot of stuff to work out with a league of their own and dragon's lair time warp. Um, but we're working through it here today and the journey, uh, the journey continues. Nice. Um, as always, there's a lot of overlap between mine and Rachel's genre journeys. Um, one day that won't be true. One day we'll find yeah. one. The, I mean, I specifically remember the, like the, the, the sports movie watching experience that I remember most clearly is the Sandlot Watt where there was like a rental, like small little rental. I don't even know. They're just basically... VHS's like in the lobby at a hotel at a hotel when we were in Taos and I when when would that have been like I might have been six or seven and maybe was eight like was like 2000 2001 um and that was the first time I had seen Sandlot um and I was just like this is crazy I remember being super freaked out by the by the dog um and the like the black and white scene um but but it wasn't like there were movies where i like wouldn't watch them again because i was so freaked out like that i would like have to hide during the princess bride rus scene this is like a the proper amount of freaked out for a six or seven year old where like i am intrigued and freaked out rather than just like i want to hide um i'd say yeah I've seen a lot. Maybe I haven't seen them. I feel like I've seen Remember the Titans, Field of Dreams, Miracle um, many, many times. Um, and and yeah, they were just kind of like sports movies, I think, are also very commonly like, especially a lot of these Disney-ish ones, like were just on whether it be Disney Channel or other things and like it was a, if this is on, we're probably going to watch it from wherever it is till the end or a part of it. 
Um, so I think I saw parts of League of Their Own a lot before I actually like sat down and watched the whole movie. Um, and yeah, this, there was a fair amount of these. I'd say I've because I listen to a lot of movie related podcasts and and the people that I at least used to listen to most would were like kind of sports ish people. So they talk a lot about talk about a lot of these. And so I think I had heard of all of them uh, before watching to various degrees because I had like hadn't seen Rocky. So there were some glaring holes in my in my sports movie uh, list. But um, so yeah, there weren't really any surprises. I think I'd say probably Color Money was the one I knew the least about. But apart from that, they were all on my radar. I have a Sandlot story. I distinctly remember in fifth grade is like the end of the year, like pizza party or whatever. And we convinced our fifth grade teacher that we could watch Sandlot in class. And it felt like the biggest boon. Cause we knew there were like bad words in it or whatever. And we were like, we did it. We're so old. We felt so like, it was like, felt, feel like I'm in gym class. It was really, really <laughs> impressive. <laughs> A lot of dog in that movie. A lot of dog in that. Don't know if I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here, but uh, it was. It reminded me of the last time we watched. Uh, the last time, like we, like it's a routine for us. But no, we watched Cinder. We watched the original Cinderella a few years ago when we were on a Disney movie kick, and I, my thought was, why isn't this called Jack and Gus and also the cat or something like? Because like more than half the movie is the mice and the cat. And there's just so much dog in the movie. There's like twice as much dog to baseball in the movie. It's really, it's, it's, it's a little. Just the whole, the whole third act is dog. Yeah. yeah. I, we watched it on a Sunday night where I'm just kind of like getting things organized, getting my life back together, going back into the work week, just doing like odds and ends around the house. And I got up and they like started the whole like, erector set montage and i remember coming back for what felt like after being gone a really long time and it was like oh my god You're yeah because all the, the erector stuff, set all the stuff you remember is in the first two-thirds of the movie yeah, yeah. and and the, the last third is is like the actual plot of the movie and yet the thing you care the least about yeah yeah um apart from i mean i like the uh the james Earl jones bits but it takes a long ass time to get there. Um, defining terms, Rachel. What's yeah, the sport? I, th- I thought about this. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it's so funny. Like, I had so many, like, I just read, like, you know, 75 argumentative essays about whether something or whatever constitutes a sport. So I don't want to do that. Um, uh, but I mean, I think a sports movie is a pretty, you know, when you see it type of thing, we did not have like a generous definition of like, well, this is a rom-com, but it like paced like a sports movie or like, oh, like is Black Swan a sports movie? You know, like if we didn't really do that, like if there is a competition that is scored at the end, we called it a sports movie. Yeah. And, and but but there are there are kind of rom-coms masquerading masquerading as sports movies, prom-coms masquerading as sports. Like it's yeah. it's a very like it's a very inclusive oh, genre and in that you kind of just you can meld things together. 
Yeah. Um, which is nice, which it was, what was one of the reasons it was at least tolerable to get through a lot of these movies. Cause they were, you've kind of felt like you were watching other genres at the same time. Yes. So yeah, we were, we tended to just hang out in that space. Um, I know this is kind of stepping on justify my list. We did sort of avoid the dramatic, mostly like the dramatic-y Oscar baity sports movie. Your Raging Bulls, your Million Dollar Babies, your The Fighters are not on the list. Um, Cinderella Story. Cinderella, Cinderella Story, man. man. Yeah, Cinderella Story is a, I believe, Haley Duff movie or Hillary Duff movie. Mm, yeah. um, Haley Duff? There's another Duff? There's two Duffs? Oh my God. Yeah. Get your Duffs in a row. <laughs> um, Partially just because we knew we wouldn't pick them, right? Like it wasn't, I mean, Raging Bull, I guess, but also, like, there's also, they were fucking all boxing movies. Number one on the AFI. For sports is Raging Bull. They're, well, they did in, in 08, they did the, what do they call it? 10 top 10. And there's a 10 top 10 for sports and number one is Raging Bull. Yeah, I don't I have very little interest in watching that one. Uh, I saw it once and I watched it once in high school. Um, I, it's, uh, I mean, and, and this might point to why the, why the genre <laughs> has some issues, but a, but a sports movie that's about acting, like about the good acting feels wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, we tended to somewhat avoid, like, yeah, the sort of highest brow. Like, to me, a sports movie is something that, like, is, I don't know, like, you would not see it necessarily nominated for a lot of Oscars. Like, you know, the idea of Creed getting nominated for Best Picture because it's a Rocky movie was kind of like, I don't know, it's a Rocky movie. Like, will they, will they do that? Um, and, and these are... Yeah. So anyway, that's like that's definitely blending with justify my list. But I think sports movie genre is a pretty easy term to define. Yeah, let's go right into justify. We can, we've already talked about it. So how did we how did we choose this list? How did I should say how did you choose this list? Because <laughs> I'm usually on the other side of just like saying we have to have remembered the Titans. Well, I was one year younger than I am now. (laughs) (laughs) And you sort of like smashed some lists together from the internet. I mean, as we were, I guess this was off off mic, but um, yeah, there's nothing, there's really nothing from out of left field on this list. In terms uh-huh. of our viewing, in terms of our viewing histories and and, and whatnot, um, just kind of yeah, we looked at some, googled some some sports movies lists, and that was kind of it. I'm always sure. gonna vouch for Rocky and Creed. And kind of filled in the blanks from there. You had a Disney itch to scratch, yeah. And I chose the wrong one originally. Originally, I, you you guys gave me an ultimatum of Miracle or Remember the Titans. And I, for some reason, chose Miracle, uh, which I, I now see is by far the worst of the two movies. Um, but yeah, and it's interesting to look at, like, just looking at the dates on this, there's that, like, 2000 to 2004 kind of boom. Um, yeah, three in, in the year two thousand. Three in the year two thousand. Yeah. Um, 
So, oh yeah, I can, I'll list off the movies. That's, yeah, I we gotta do, do that. that. Um, so in order of release, we have Rocky, Chariots of Fire, The Natural, The Color of Money, Hoosiers, Bull Durham, Field of Dreams, A League of Their Own, The Sandlot, Space Jam, He Got Game, Love and Basketball, Bring It On, Remember the Titans, Ali, Bend It Like Beckham, Miracle, Moneyball, and Creed, which is 19, 19 movies? I guess 19, yeah. Um, yeah, Rocky obviously is the, the first one in 1976 our earliest movie um was there any sort of what what movies did we cut off that would have been earlier from that like um the whatever the pride of the yankees pride of the yankees is one from afi um the hustler i guess we didn't we didn't include the hustler but included color of money Hustler's like 61, I think. Um, Oh, wow. I I don't know how much. Color of Money was directed by Martin Scorsese. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Who did you think was doing the voiceover in the beginning, Sam? Yeah, it's his voice at the beginning. I've blocked it out for the most part. I really wanted to do Jerry Maguire, but you wouldn't let me. True. No, Jerry Maguire's on the AFI. See, it kind of speaks to sort of the slipperiness of of this genre. Is that really Jerry Maguire? Is that really a sports movie? Um, well, yeah, because you kind of get like some of the train wrecks of sports movie. Then, like if that's a if that's the one yeah. of the greatest we're going for. At, one of the greatest uh, like athlete as actor performances. LeBron. Yeah. not that it's a very high bar we definitely <laughs> we also talked Trainwreck. about that in the episode where we yeah. talked about train wreck yeah yeah um and i think yeah it's sort of like i'm guessing afi is like a little embarrassed by sports movies or like the the task of having to i guess they could have chosen whether or not to do one but i don't know it's just such a bizarre list and these are just you know starting points and, and frames of reference i you know you don't need me to tell you that afi and Oscars are extremely fucked up and bizarre um, with how they categorize things and honor things and, and whatnot. But just looking at their top 10 list, it's like, what is the top yeah. one list? So it's so in descending order, raging bull, Rocky pride of the Yankees, users, bull Durham, the hustler, Caddyshack, breaking away. Caddyshack. And I looked Eight and nine are Breaking Away in National Velvet, both of which I looked up. Like one of them is like a Mickey Rooney horse movie. I think that's maybe National Velvet. Yeah, maybe it's I'm glad away. we. I'm glad we. I have and very little Maguire. interest in watching horse movies. I'm glad we we oh, yeah. just nixed yeah, that part any... of it, like Seabiscuit yeah. or. God, Seabiscuit. There was a point when because Bring It On kind of reminded me of it because Bring It On was the first one that Rachel and I watched on New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> and uh that was my bad I had i'll, I'll take full responsibility of, i i had this i ep- feel like you you got i mean I, it was the first i mean whatever keep going andy well, well no, i had this a, a, epiphany where i thought oh wait uh pitch perfect is you could say pitch perfect is a sports movie um a movie that i love and it's like and find infinitely rewatchable but at that point i was like well we're already doing 19 of these i don't know if i need to make our lives any harder 
despite loving pitch perfect. i don't know if i'd call pitch perfect a sport. it's a competition what did I Rachel feel- say? They they what what you said that it's like you award points to it or something like that at the end. Just makes then it the a best sports in movie. show is a sports movie, and like then you have to open it up to all of the dance movies. Well, if Seabiscuit is, 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 is a sports movie, if, if Seabiscuit is a sports movie, then best in show it's basically it's the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe this genre is a little bit more slippery than we thought. I, I mean, we just have a very I know it when I see it type of thing. Yeah. That's true. And I, I, I would not, I, and I love, I do. I also love pitch perfect. I would not categorize it as a sports movie, but anyway, because like one thing I love about pitch perfect is something that the a sports uh, movie can't replicate, which is acapella singing. <laughs> it's like, Oh, Oh yeah. 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 The, the amazing, you know, acapella montage in, Pitch perfect. Yeah, I would say compared to the final fight of Ali, like they're not. You can't. Yeah, I would say just because a, a an activity can be like a competitive one does not make and and if the competition is contained within. Like I don't think quiz show is a sports movie. From a directorial standpoint, I think filming a sport is a, an essential challenge of a sports movie. And if you're sure. never filming a sport. It's not a sports movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great point. I like that point a lot, Rachel. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think uh, next we have, is it awards? Or uh, or is there something in between this and awards? I think I need to take some potty shots. (laughs) Okay, so I think we'll get into the awards. Um, The first one. Stats, we need to do stats. Oh, we have to do stats first. Okay, so. What? Someone just uh, Schmoolies. <laughs> I came as soon as I got your message, Schmoolies. Who is this? What is what is going on? I got your message and I swam here from Rhode Island, the ocean state. Rhode Island. I mean, we're kind of. Is there a way to get to from Rhode Island? From the Atlantic Ocean to there probably is a way to get from the Atlantic Ocean to Mich- Lake Michigan. Lake Michigan? Oh, we're all out of the same place. <laughs> but he's swimming to me, Rachel. To me. Oh, okay. You I mean, named it would be place. pretty easy for him to go down through the Gulf of Mississippi, and then you just go swim upstream through yeah, the Mississippi upstream. River. That's not bad. That's not bad. So, so, so you're here. You're here. I Who am are you? Who I am? Carmine Stat. <laughs> Mancini, the stat man, local cinephile at the Rhode Island Historical Society Film Archive section, <laughs> Rhode Island stat head. Wow. In these days, schmoolies, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm a man without a governor. <laughs> oh, no, that's that's a terrible place to be. Last thing I knew, I was give I was casting 34 votes for Joe Biden. Was that did you think you were voting for your governor? <laughs> well, no, and then he took my governor, Gina Raimondo. <laughs> oh, that's true. Fucking Joe. Fucking Joe. So I've been <laughs> I've been very Thanks, bored. Thanks, Joe Biden. I've been very bored. <laughs> I was on my I fa- as you know 
Yeah. Wait, Statman, did you just admit to voter fraud in a very <laughs> high degree? 34 is not that many. <laughs> I guess for Rhode Island, that's like half the population, right? Yeah, that's that is a lot. Do we have any Rhode Island listeners that I just offended? I don't think so. No. <laughs> 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 I've been trying to stop the steal in Rhode Island, but I got bored and took up boogie boarding. Oh, so I boogie boarded here. Once I, oh, and I was okay. I was boogie boarding and there was a message in a bottle from Deshmoolies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just send those down. Yeah, you have to stop sending those. I just I just keep I just throw them in every once in a while. <laughs> well, it's very short. It says. Dear Carmine, avoid the clap, Dashmoolies. <laughs> I mean, I think it's something everyone should should know. If if you're if you are boogie boarding up the Mississippi, I feel like it's important for you to avoid the clap. Reminds me of when I boogie boarded with my father, and then a lightning bolt struck a piece of Cumberlandite, and I What's fashioned. Cumberlandite. It's the rock of Rhode Island. <laughs> and I fashioned it out of, or I fashioned my boogie board, Wanda Statman. It's a rock boogie board? I feel like a boogie board is necessarily <laughs> buoyant. It's, <laughs> it's Cumberlandite. Cumberlandite. Is it, does it float? Or are you, are you just dragging along a piece of rock? Stinking out of town is... Can you repeat what the boogie board's name is again? Wanda Statman. <laughs> with a little, with a cute little lightning bolt on it. It's not Wanda Statboy? No. Wonder Statboy. Wanda. Wanda. Oh, Wanda Statboy. Also, Siri. Great idea for a series, Wanda Statboy. <laughs> We're mixing up. We're mixing everything up. Okay, so you boogie boarded on a piece of rock. Up the Mississippi. <laughs> on your way, wait. On your way, you found a letter from me. So you were boogie boarding already. He's boogie boarding recreationally. Recreationally. And then found this message in a bottle that I periodically just send down the Mississippi. Are we, are, we're on the same page? Yes. <laughs> but I've been, because I'm a man without a governor. Sure. I've been bored. I've been listening to podcasts. You've been and boogie I listen. I've been boogie boarding. I've been, <laughs> I'm thinking of starting a boogie boarding podcast or a deuce podcast with the Shmoolies. Deuce is wild. <laughs> where we recap the deuce. But anyways, I heard you were doing sports. So I got on Wanda Statman. I got on Wanda Statman. <laughs> I knew I'd make the journey to studio to talk things, the harder rock and roll, all the way to honky-tonk blues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Look, the harder rock and roll has decimated, <laughs> has been decimated by the pandemic. What's so the heart I'm of on- rock and roll? It's the, t- it's the opening track from Sports by Huey Lewis. Oh, wow. You're going on multiple levels deep Son on this one. Son of Rhode Island. 
Oh, okay. There are two connections. Two connections. Two connections. If you ask somebody else, they'll say Huey Lewis. (laughs) Huey Lewis is from San Francisco. But the Uh, real name of the band is Hubert Lewis and the Newport, Rhode Island. (laughs) The S is silent. Yes, and a lot of those other consonants are silent. <laughs> so I'm here. I'm here to talk. I'm here to talk. Huey Lewis. Oh, so you got confused when you heard we were talking about the sports fight. Oh, Statman. Oh, this is unfortunate. You made Aww. such a long journey. But Unfortunately, guys, I've the had what? such a hard year. <laughs> I don't have a governor. <laughs> but you do have a boogie board, and I think that's important. <laughs> I gotta, ex- I gotta embrace the year of yes. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm working on my one man show. What's the but name of your one man show? My mother's New Zealand. My father's John F. Kennedy. I'm in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a reference to the to the to the your very authentic. Rhode Island accent and how it sounds. And Steve <laughs> Solomon. Look it up. <laughs> okay. So, Statman, uh, we're talking about sports movies, not the yeah. album sports. Not sports Hueys. No, not sports Hueys. <laughs> oh, good thing must... in my spare time, I've been working on a little sly impression. Oh, oh God. An impression within an impression? I don't know what you're talking about, Sam. <laughs> hey, hey. Come on. <laughs> That's good. I was great. Hey, hey, you're dying. Yeah? You're dying. What I... do you think of Skyfall? Huh? Like, come on, we watch Skyfall. After Skyfall, uh, maybe we're going to give Quantum of Solace another try. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Heard about Quantum of Solace from the Smooth Leash. It's a pretty good statement. That's a pretty good impression. You know, it sounds weirdly like my husband's impression of Rocky. Great looking fella. I saw him on. I saw him on my boogie board. These uh, as you you were stuffing him into the closet. He's the only other Huey Lewis fan. He could actually talk to you about sports. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting overlaps between you and this lady's husband. This lady's husband. Also, those are my sunglasses. He must have picked them up on the way up to the room. They were complimentary with my induction into the year of yes. With Shonda Rhimes. Are you going to lie and say that she's from Rhode Island too now? <laughs> well, kind of, if you, her name is almost an anagram of Rhode Island. <laughs> Honda looks like road. It's, <laughs> we'll take her in as one of our own. <laughs> but Schmoolies, I think we, I think we give this governor thing a shot. So you're saying you want me as your governor? Is that what you're saying? Schmoolies, wow. Schmoolies, 2022. I was thinking Mancini Schmoolies. You would be second on the ticket. Oh. As my running mate. I've already retained That's... Ron Shelton as a speechwriter. I'm Ron's less a interested. 
What if I told you Ron has already guaranteed us one cock and pussy speech? Less, less interested. (laughs) I think you got a lot of good ideas this, Moolish. Like Jungle Jour. It was a good first effort. Like what? I told you, Smoolies, I've been bored. I've been listening. I've been taking up new podcasts, listening to old podcasts. When I talked about the Rhode Island Historical Society, yeah. you told me I should have named my supercut Jungle Jaw. Did I? Yeah, I don't know. Something Smoolies here. Yo, Donnie, they got a smooth leash. <laughs> Yo, Donnie, if chickens are getting slower, blame the smooth leash. <laughs> well, stat man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're getting a lot of offers, Smooth Leash. I know Statman wants you to be his given, but I need you to be my running mate. You got to think about it. Sleep on it. Don't make a decision right away. I will. I won't. I won't. You got to ask yourself, Smooth Leash, if this is it, you got to take a chance on (laughs) Lieutenant Governor. It's a Yui Louie reference. Yui Louie. It's a Yubi Dooby reference. <laughs> oh, God. All right. All right. <laughs> let me know in an episode. I'll let, let you me, know. Let, I'll let, let you me know. know in an episode or two. Yeah, that's, yeah. So, like two years. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, Rhode Island's it for me. Okay. Be safe on your boogie board, Wanda. Andy, the wildest thing happened while you were away. What'd I miss? Sam got got, a pretty interesting job offer. Yeah, I got propositioned about a lieutenant governor spot on a uh, Rhode Island ticket. And uh, and yeah, I got to think about it. What do you think about that, Andy? Do you think I'd be a good lieutenant governor? I think you could, if you could commit all your time to it, but are you thinking of maybe being yeah, I don't uh, know if... given as well? Could you be both a, could you be both given and uh, the lieutenant governor? Yeah, that's I don't a get question. the given thing. Uh, well, Statman and Given. Oh, Robin and Given. I forgot about that. No, not Robin Gibb. No, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I had a small stroke there for a second. Misspoke. Uh, uh, I think before we we were interrupted, I think we were going to talk about the stats for uh, for the for these sports movies. Yeah, let's do it. Hell yeah! Nineteen movies, forty Oscar nominations. Not a great hit rate. Uh, eight Oscars won out of the forty nominations. Two best picks. Rocky and Chariots of Fire. 
Uh, what else we got? Paul Newman. Paul Newman wins Best Actor for Color of Money. I think that's the only acting award. Um, can I never know how to say this guy's name. John G. Avildsen? John G. Yes. Johnny uh, G. <laughs> the director of Rocky won Best Director. Um Screenplay, Chariots of Fire is the winningest um, movie Oscar-wise. So it wins Best Picture, Original Screenplay, Costumes, and Score. And that's kind of it. After Newman wins Best Actor in uh, 86, there are no remaining wins um, for, for movies, despite... Um, Largely not surprising. Yeah. But there's some, there's some that I could see. The Rocky... The- the, there was an upset with um, Sylvester Stallone for Creed. He was nominated for Best Supporting, and a lot of people thought he was going to win. Yeah. Which I forgot. You know, we were talking Mark about how, won. how we were doing some, some research. Mark um, what was that for? For uh, Bridge of Spies. Bridge of Spies. Spies. Yeah. Neither a better nor more memorable performance. Um, in fact, like specifically less memorable. <laughs> like, yeah. movie, that movie is good so Tom. Great. It's a good Tom Hanks performance. It's fine. Tom for what it's worth. But yeah. I'm kind of surprised that he got gamed in. I mean, it's Spike Lee, so it kind of makes sense because they hate Spike Lee. But no Oscar nominations for He Got Game. Well, I used it's to. If Five Bloods doesn't get any Oscar nominations. Yeah, that's true. No, wait. He... No Oscar nominations? Not even support. Wow. I forgot about that. That's nuts. That, 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 I guess you could maybe put that off on being a Netflix anyway. No, you can't. Um, not this year. Not this year. That's true. That's true. That's nuts. They really fucking hate Spike Lee. Has he they said really bullshit? Do. Does he said shit about? Is there like a reason behind that? No. They, the thing is that they do love him sometimes. Like whatever it was. Like they, you know, let Sam Jackson gave him an Oscar and it was a big deal for a screenplay. And they pretend to like him, but they don't actually want to like appreciate his movies at all. What for Black Klansman did he get screenplay? Yeah. And yeah, he, he was also he wasn't co- he also a producer on on Gina, on uh, Love and Basketball. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, because it was at Forty Acres and a Mule production. Um, what about one AFI? So there's one yeah. one Rocky is fifty seven on the updated 100 AFI. Um, oh, this is kind of interesting. So um, Field of Dreams, I always thought was suspiciously just based on trying to get in the headspace of, of an AFI person. Um, I found Field of Dreams suspiciously absent from the 10 top 10 list, uh, but it's number six on the 10 top 10 fantasy Field of Dreams mm. is. Um whatever it's worth and then those are some fake ass fan like those people that don't like fantasy the people who voted for like theirs that's another yeah that's another thing too where i'm guessing they're like they kind of don't know what to do with a proposition yeah like that like, like magical, i think wizard of oz is expectedly the number one on yeah magical fantasy. realism is like i mean it's great but it's kind of soft fantasy in a way what yeah. anyway pretty famously infamously from from the academy's pers- or you know point of things uh, like nothing for a league of their own um which was like a really big movie um at the time look having seen it in theaters 
I remember these things, but it would have been an opportunity um, to nominate a woman to be a director as director and they didn't do for, it. Yeah. For, you know, for so many things, um, they didn't even nominate Madonna and child for, for a <laughs> song, but I don't know if she, did she, did she write that for, was that a new song for the movie or was that an existing Madonna and child song? Um, <laughs> but it does number 54 100 years 100 quotes there's no crying in baseball avoid the clap <laughs> no there's no crying in baseball. <laughs> thanks jimmy <laughs> this this floored me much respect um look i would do it 100 times over but i'm surprised um the British Academy liked it this much. Um, Bend It Like Beckham was nominated for best film at the BAFTAs in, in 02. Good for the BAFTAs. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, remember, I remember loving that movie when we, that was, a, that was, I mean, it, yeah. it kind of went out of our rotation quickly, but like it was fully in our rotation for a little while. It was a big movie. Fantastic movie. I love that movie so much. I know. I don't really think of it as a sports movie. I'm not saying it's not a sports movie, but all the reasons I like it have practically nothing to do with its sportsness. But yeah. Did you guys see uh, blinded by the light? Mm -mm. No, it's, it's, I, realizing afterwards, it's the same director. Oh shit. And it's a very, very similar, like idea about kind of like, I think he's also Pakistani. Um, kind of like connecting, like being kind of feeling out of place. And this is the 80s and finding like Bruce Springsteen songs particularly speak to him. And it's like, really, I really liked it. But it's like, I was like, oh, this reminds me a lot of this movie. And I was like, oh, wait, they actually directed by the same mm. person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's one of, this is, I kind of embarrassing to say but i think this is the uh, most amount of female directors we've had uh with penny marshall league of their own uh gina prince by wood i don't know if i'm saying her her last name right for love and basketball um and then gurinder shada chada also don't know shot there's no r oh um for for Bennett like Beckham who who's also the um blinded by the light director I want to say there's yeah. also a fourth but maybe not but still I know it's only three but su suffice it to say they're like among the best movies we've watched and that'd be like wow for being made by women they're really good but they're like oh, they're really good they're a lot better than like 90% of the movies on this list in in my opinion the the ones by women about women um agreed and it and i do like about love and basketball that it is slight kind of more about her than him like you spend especially in the second half of the movie you're spending more time with her and kind of like jumping into his story i mean you kind of jump around anyway because there's like the whole like acts or whatever um is that what they call them the the breaks between like the break like they come back it's like act four or is that different Oh, I see. Episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode four, like the breaks. Isn't Anywhere it like, like I forgot that the period that four? Does period. It make, they, they make it like a basketball oh, game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Quarter four. Yeah. Quarter four. Fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm scanning oh, my list. That, I knew there was. Or I was going to say just, just a couple more things here. Um, 
Ian Holm, best or supporting actor nomination for Chariots of Fire. That I love kinda, Ian Holm. That threw me for a. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't have a lot to do in that movie. Yeah, also, yeah. what is he doing? He's like, supposed like, to be Moroccan. Is he yeah. supposed to oh, be he's, like? He's, he's yeah, he's half Algerian. Yeah, I think they he might could have... be like colonial. Algeria, like it could be. That's like, true. It's true. But I think he's like referencing. But no, I think they kind of like make his him up worthiness to be darker. Yeah. Oh, like he's, in... he's brown facing. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, I, I mean, it looks like it. Yeah. Um, I love Ian Holm, but that's that is kind of weird. I mean, if, if if that movie swept, not that it's a bad movie, but like maybe there wasn't a lot of competition competition in 1981. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah couple more a couple more things interesting piece of uh trivia so stallone stallone was nominated because he wrote rocky um and he was nominated for both writing and um acting so he was nominated for best original screenplay and best actor uh which has only been done two other times and he's an interesting company because it was done by charlie chaplin and orson welles so charlie chaplin oh orson welles wow. and sly stallone sly um have are the only that's people to be wild. nominated for both actor and, and writer that's amazing i love that fact yeah <laughs> that's a good that's a good trivia fact yeah yeah agreed and we've got Four inductees. This might be our biggest BTEU class yeah. yet. And there's Robert. a lot of crossover too. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, this is the one genre. where there have been like multiple. Because James Earl Jones. So one is James Earl Jones in the Star Wars trilogy in Field of Dreams and the Sandlot. Uh, and then Duvall. Robert Duvall is in the first two Godfathers in The Natural. Is Ian Holt, is, is Bilbo in The Two Towers? Or is he just like at the end of Return of the King and in the Fellowship. There's no like flashback or something like that with Bilbo in Two Towers, is there? Sam's playing the movie. In Sam, Sam is Gandalfing. <laughs> uh, I don't believe he is. I agree. But anyways. No, good. wait, 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 wait. Stop the schmoolies. says. <laughs> the studio has a pleasant air. No, I think he's not. I'm trying to remember when the. I think the story of the ring and like. Is an, mm, no, this is the story of a ring. When do we see Bilbo, Ian Holm as Bilbo in the cave picking up the ring? In the, the beginning flashback. of the first one. Beginning of the first in one. In the first one? Okay. Yeah. There's also another flashback with Smeagol in the third one. That's the beginning of the third one. Yeah. Which I think is Bilbo, also Bilbo-less until the end when he's like all until he's very he's aged accordingly as aged like a little raisin man literally. But anyways, he's Uh, in at least two of the movies we did last, and he's in Chariots of Fire, uh, and Talia Shire, Godfather trilogy, and Rocky. T-shirts are in the mail, folks. Welcome. It's getting crowded. Getting crowded in the BTU. (laughs) <laughs> um cool is that is that is that the i'm status for stats you're status you're all stated out yeah never be satisfied so uh let's get on to to awards first up 
What the fuck? <laughs> I have I two for this. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, I have two. Okay, I have three. I win. Um, I don't know. Okay, does both of my one is very silly and one is longer. Oh wait, I have four. You said that already. Well, yeah, I you said, said you had four. I said, well, I said I have three, and then I have, and then you recorrected. I have four already. <laughs> we'll never know. It's not being recorded. <laughs> um, the first one is and I said this to Andy while we were watching it. Just like the amount of how overinflated Kevin Costner's stock was when he was doing Bull Durham, and like the dialogue that they thought he could pull off, but he cannot. (laughs) He is not good at saying those kinds of words. Like they really like it. It's like, it's like a bad mortgage. Like it was just valued above its value. And you're like, Oh, this house is not worth that. He can't do that. He is good at the baseball and he's, he was a baseball player. So he looks good in doing baseball things. No, it's the and, like, talking, great because they have this very, uniform, yeah. this very sort of like Southern Gothic dialogue that they're trying to go for this yeah, like sort of yeah. lilting, poetic, musical, very wordy thing that like Susan Sarandon's very good at. Right. And it's not and necessarily bad dialogue either. No, someone can do it. Someone Susan Sarandon do it. can do it. It's just when he's supposed to be like, they're supposed to have a sort of like, Hepburn and Grant like rat at tat clearly with this sort of southern gothic-y dialogue and it's she just can't do it like he and cannot think, do it I mean he's as bad in Field of Dreams if you ask me too with just like he does there aren't really those types of speeches like that in Field of Dreams but yeah uh. and I think it directly it directly like if you like Kevin Costner and we're kind of out of that age where he was a god like if you like him it probably works better for you, you know? Yeah. Just period. Even, and especially in the moment it worked because everyone was like, he is a guy. Oh yeah, no, everyone was and buying now, the stock. It was an overvalued house. some people still really like it. Now you're like in the subprime nonsense. <laughs> yeah, no, that but, is good. Yeah. Why? Which sucks because it's like, I like the <laughs> script actually. I think, I think that they looked at him and they're like, okay, he's Got an like, Oscar nom. he's Redford, he's Newman. Like he's all those things. They like, he, like they sort of squinted and saw that and he's just not. Also, yeah. neither of those people like talked a whole lot. But anyway, to me, his talking is just not the thing. No, his taste. He does look great in a catcher's uh, in a catcher's uniform. Oh, he looks amazing. He looks, and, he's, yeah. and he looks believably sport. And that's a later category. But his his him specifically in that movie is believably sporting. You know, like mm-hmm. he's doing the sport. Yeah, part of, I'm, I'm sure it is. I mean, all of these things are at least part fiction, but there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff, mostly for Field of Dreams, where like he was actually just like hitting a bunch of dingers and that was just his thing. And he could he would say to was it Phil David um, or Phil, Phil, Alden Phil, Robinson, Alden Robinson. Phil Alden Robinson. He was just like, hey, Phil, like, where do you want it? And he would just, you know pop one right to wherever the director needed it. And I mean, it seems like kind of like bullshit that he was just this like scrappy baseball stud. I mean, but... it's good that he's good at something because he's really bad at acting. Like, I just like, don't, it's like, it's like that story's only impressive if you're like, oh yeah, he's such a good actor who happens to be able to do this. He wasn't bad as, uh, as uh, I shouldn't, I should, you guys are going to rail me. For, he wasn't bad as, uh, as Superman's dad in uh, 
I was yeah. No, I was thinking about Steel. that the other day. That's kind of bad. The party was born hand. to play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think that there was a time where he was just given things that he can't handle. Sure. 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 Yeah. Because they just thought he was a different kind of actor than he was, and everyone like wanted to believe it for a while. It was just the Kevin Costner bubble before yeah. it popped. So that was my first WTF. And then my second is just the, like, I don't know. I don't know. this. I, I had this thought while we were watching it and I knew it was coming up, but like the play for your heart scene in Love and Basketball, I just really, I don't know. It felt like a cop out to end the movie that way. Oh, true, true, true. Yeah, that's a what the fuck moment. Like, I don't know. I like These it. are very complex characters who they develop I liked, a lot. I liked how it was done that he won and then was like, I liked, I didn't necessarily like the, like the idea, but the kind of like nonlinear way in which it, it resolves in the romantic way, I enjoyed. Yeah. And I guess like the thesis of the movie is that like there is no divide between a basketball game and your life and psycho, like, and you know, like, that it's the same thing. So maybe it's, I'm not fully giving in to the, the whatever of the movie, but like, I think that like these characters develop so much. They're so, by the time that part in the movie rolls around too, they have a better sense of self that's like outside of basketball. And it feels like it's regressing to be like, yeah, this is all just going to be about a basketball game. Like if you love me enough, you'll, it like, if you love me enough or if I love you enough, I'll win. And maybe part of you will lose because you don't actually love Tyra Banks. You don't actually love and basketball. <laughs> you don't actually love and basketball. I don't know. It just felt like a very like I forgot cat. about Tyra Banks. Holy shit. Tyra Banks. Tyra Banks. What a fucking cast. Uh I know. It was a great choice. Oh, and because the, the, the guy from the insurance commercials. Rick Fox is, is in it too. Rick Fox. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I don't know. I just thought like that was a so, very odd way to end the movie. movie. Yeah. I don't, it's, and yeah. And, and it kind of off key with the rest of the movie, which I think is re- really well done. Yes. Yeah. Those are mine too. I'll, I'll go through mine quick. Um, I guess it, I, I think sometimes I, I think about if I'm not, I mean, my first what the fuck is like actually in the moment, like I'm really fucking surprised is when he gets shot in the natural. And mm. also like him, that process and him coming back. I really thought he was a ghost for a while. <laughs> 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 I was like, holy, like, because he doesn't explain the it. Unnatural. And he's like very like cagey about, the unnatural. The supernatural. about what happened and why he's like, I'm like, he's dead. <laughs> Uh, and I don't know, maybe it's because I I grew up with Field of Dreams, so like baseball movies are. I mean that mm-hmm. obviously that and Angels in the already, Outfield. Yeah, yeah, it's very Angels in the Outfield. Kind of Half baseball and, players and are dead. That very mythical. Um, and this might be my lack of uh, lack of experience with cheering, but the whole plot line around the spirit stick in Bring It On and how intense that like object in the whole movie with like the camp and how she's like scarred by that and she thinks there's a curse it's pretty wild you said cheering and i thought i thought you were talking about like like, crowd cheers for a second celebrating at an athletic event um of an athletic genre of an athletic genre of an athletic green genre um so those are my two yeah 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 all right been holding this one in for half of 2021. 
<laughs> but it is fucking hilarious. I'll let you go first, Rachel. You're going to say something. No, I was just going to say the spirit stick to me seems less cheering and more like a camp. Seems thing. very, yeah, I was just going to say it seems like a summer camp thing. Like that kind yeah, of like. I both have no like, cheer experience and my only camp experience is a golf camp. So uh, I got so my cup on. I'm wearing my, thing. I got my cup and my jock strap. Oh, good. <laughs> um but yeah i've been holding this one in for almost half a year the jonathan reese myers invented like beckham where there's between the second and third act there's a montage of various things going on and i so this is it's at the time the lead actress is has been determined to not be able to compete in the final soccer which time anyway sorry that happens a lot in this movie but there's like a mod and she's doing stuff with her family and you're watching the, the team progress and whatnot. And Jonathan Reese Myers is in the locker room updating the lineup on a whiteboard and starts writing Mel. But it looks like me exclamation point. Like he's kind of like coquettishly putting himself in in place of the lead star where he's like, and me in her place. <laughs> Wilfred Brimley kind of does the same thing in The Natural when he's crossing out um, uh, uh, he's, Roy he's or Ray so or whatever. Roy, He's crossing out Roy Hobbs in the lineup. And I swear, I uh, we just watched him. I can't remember. It's kind of like a similar thing where it almost looks like he's just crossing out Roy Hobbs to put me. <laughs> um, so that's one. Um, and then, so... Bobby Kotick, Kotick, I think it's Kotick, Bobby Kotick, the CEO of, of Blizzard Activision. Why the fuck is he the owner of the A's in Moneyball, which is just doesn't really age well or play well. Um, apparently, I the I mean, I could tell he wasn't an actor. I thought he was like maybe the actual owner of the A's. That's what I always thought thought the first few times i had seen it and apparently the actual answer is that he and bennett miller the director are friends so uh, he was like bullshit. doing but ben- he also kind of looks like bennett miller a little bit which is very weird um he's gotten a lot more like bloated in the face since i guess 10 years ago already when they filmed moneyball but that adds an also weird layer to it that he kind of looks like bennett miller and I don't know enough about like other CEOs to know whether to know like how par for the course this is, but he's, you know, like most CEOs, like not the most like savory best CEO. He does a lot of shitty things and it's just like feeding into our whole obsession with like millionaires and billionaires and really, I don't know. It's just like, I pay very little attention to like the actors and slash. Yeah. I think it's just in a weird, like, Never mind. Never mind. No, it's yeah, it's just I don't know. It's it's kind of weird for me. He does a good job though, because he just seems like this sort of like feckless, it's kind of like you know, yeah, very bland. Is sort of the yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> so I got two more. Um in uh I just love the way that like both how Gary Marshall delivers it. And just sort of like the sort of double take it induces and like picturing it. So when they're at the Gary Marshall as um, like the Hershey bar, but not Hershey bar, like magnet um, in a league of their own when they're at his mansion and he's like, he's like grooming um, Tom Hanks to be 
the manager um, for the peaches. And, um, you know, he says to Tom Hanks, like, are you still like a fall down drunk? And Tom Hanks, you know, kind of like sobers him up a little bit. And Tom Hanks has like some type of rejoinder. And then Gary Marshall says, you fell out of a hotel. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the way that he delivers it. It's like, you fell out of a hotel. (laughs) Like, what is it? (laughs) You fell out of Howell's moving hotel. (laughs) And then freeze frame Eddie from, from color money. There's technically the two freeze frames. I forgive the last one that closes the film, but when he jumps out of that swimming pool in the like getting his groove back montage. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, also the font in Color of Money, the title font. That was a huge one for me. They were were working through some stuff, figuring. They were really working through some stuff. That like red horror font. Yeah, it was really weird. It was not a good one. It was very jarring to see that come up in an otherwise very, uh, like, appealing title sequence with like smoke and. Mm. Oh, I do remember that shit. That was really weird. It's a bad font. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that font was like 1986. uh, 1986. Yeah. Rip. Oh God. Okay. That was my other one. Uh next up, most believable sports. I kind of um, believe all of them, right? I believe I baseball know. exists. I believe baseball exists. I think cheerleading I- exists. <laughs> what about like silly ball? You'd have to convince me that like silly ball exists. <laughs> See, I'll go I first. Just, I don't know. Andy goes first. Andy goes first. I go first. I go first. Do you want me to go first? I'll go first. Let's settle some old debts here. I interpreted this as like what looks best on film. Like what's the most, what translates best to, and you, you know, obviously you two can interpret it however you will, but my understanding of it was what sport is sort of most poised to translate well to, to film. Um, and this is kind of a cheap one, but running, right. I mean, the running, the way that the running is shot, especially like the slow motion on the beachfront and chariots of fire, it's kind of low hanging fruit, but, uh, really works for me, especially accompanied with the, um, with the score just, but even like the, even like the sort of album track, um, running scenes from the movie, like the first time we see the, the Catholic runner, um, at sort of that more like intimate country running competition, all that stuff. And just the, looks the, the one so around the, the courtyard and yeah. the college. That one's like, gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Such a great, um, just like, yeah. And they all look like runners too. That's like a helpful yeah. thing. Yeah. They're kind they of, all look like, like distance runners. Very like, like, they're a little bit too big, but you'd kind of believe it at the time. All their muscles are, muscles are very like wiry and kind of like, yeah, they're just Sinny, tight yeah. and like, yeah. That was my pick too. Um, I, feel, I think first I thought, of all, like I thought about this a little differently than you guys. I, I well, I did it from like a well, I don't know what it's like to do any other sport than running. So like, who am I to be like? Oh, the fight in the last fight in Creed is so much more believable than the last fight in Ali. Like, 
I don't watch boxing. I don't do boxing. Like, I don't know, you know? So like, I mean, you can kind of tell a bad one, but like to differentiate the good, I think is a lot harder if you haven't played the thing. Um, but like, yeah, for me, it was Chariots of Fire 2. I think that like- Ooh, the sequel. It's, it's so well, it's so well suited because like in writing, you spend a lot of time looking at someone's face, like to see where their like muscle are like tight or not tight or like whatever they do. So like the facial close-ups while they're running is like very effective and like natural to it. Whereas I don't think in basketball, you spend a lot of time like looking at someone's face for form. Um, the, it like pairs so well with the music at the beginning. Like I love the like the because it sounds like breathing. Well, it sounds like breathing. Like it sounds like measured focused breathing. Um, and yeah, I just think that like, yes, they look like runners, but it also has like the vintage running feel, which is fun. Like, it's nice to see a movie set, not today to like, look at their shoes and look at their training gear and all of their just like Jersey sweats. Like there's nothing wicking in anything that they're wearing. Such great tennis sweaters. Oh man. (laughs) Like, like it's all just much deserved and they're all in England. So they're damp and it's damp out. It's like, like it's, that's believable and interesting too um yeah i just think running is so i can't, i'm shocked that there are not more running movies i think it's like maybe because it's such an individual sport but it just it looks so beautiful on camera you can slow it down you can speed it up it's so much fun to watch like i don't know why there are not more running movies i did have a another so i have, I have a note here <laughs> for my for my other my final one to that I want to mention here. I have real talk for real oneers. Um, listen to multiple podcasts that really um, gush over in uh, the the one shot, like the one take in the the Spirino, Spirino, the the Adonis. Is it Spirino? Right? It's the the second the, fight. Yeah, the, the second fight. fight. Which yeah, yeah, which is great. And maybe it's just my lack of. Uh, film viewing acumen but i like really need someone to like sit me down and walk me through that because i would never watch it with my naked eyes and be like oh this was one take and really accomplished and good like i've rewatched it a bunch of times like trying to study it really hard and it's definitely good but the way that i hear people revere it in other content is just like a little lost on me i don't know it's I kind of, I, and I even like the, like, I think I just like the final fight more. Like there's a few good hits and stuff. Like it's more, I think just like the technical accomplishment out matches like what actually one, appears on screen. The best one me. shot of the movie is the one shot of him walking into the final fight. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and that's, and I that was just you actually that notice. You're like, Oh, that's a one shot. That's really good. Cause you can see, and you notice when, there is a cut because there's this like bright light that flashes over and he's much closer to the to the ring than he was before so there's you can notice when when there is a break because because at the beginning that walk from the hallway all the way back that's all one shot and it's so that's really nice kind of like rocky's constantly like kind of turning side to side and kind of just like checking things out and is obviously and like, like rocky says like it's like i had to have been improvised because it's just like not smart enough to be real dialogue he's like, he's like are you nervous because it's it's okay to be nervous 
Yeah, it was yeah. just exactly something an actual coach would say, but would never be in a sports movie. I love wow. that line so much because it's like not inspiring to make it into a sports movie. But in that one shot, he's like, it's you nervous because it's OK to be nervous. That is the one shot that I remember from that movie. Yeah, me too. I do remember like it was kind of cool the way like you the camera was like circling the fight almost like not 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 in that the the fighters were also circling but you had that same kind of like very like predatory feeling of like con- like just circling the fight and i like that but i thought about this question a little differently in terms of most believable sports i was like what what combination of actors playing the sport and shooting of the sport makes it look the most like the actual like actual like sport, watching the yeah. sport on tv yeah um so i mean I, it's it's hard to like ray allen is a very good basketball pro basketball player so him and he got game i mean denzel washington is his shot is like over his head but that's also kind of like an old dude shot so and and i think denzel is actually pretty good his at basketball shot is really weird in that movie. it's a really weird but, shot like ray allen is very good and like that one-on-one is really it's like very physical and i, I think that's like a really that was a good one. That was a good scene. Well shot scene. It's the best. Um, I, I remember. I'm remembering that having that thought now. I think it was the last basketball movie we watched. Basketball looks terrible in movies. Um, it really does because it's so fast paced and the whole team aspect of it. But it smooths I mean, it out if it's one on one and the way that that one on one and he got game is easily Gina, the best basketball I d- in a movie. I didn't necessarily love it, but Gina Prince Blythewood doing the internal dialogue thing for when she's playing um was at least innovative and like a different way way of shooting a sports scene so i kind of appreciated that but i thought that 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 movie made the smart move of not committing to like showing full plays yes they're like we're just gonna show when she's on the spot and we're not gonna try to like get a sense of the rhythm of the game because it's hard and this is not gonna work and i think that that movie's like was very selective with their use of actual basketball scenes. And I think it worked out perfect. It was great. Uh, my second one is kind of a weird one. It's the Sandlot. I just think that like the, I mean, baseball itself is relatively easy to film, but also like pick up baseball and like kids playing baseball and like, Oh yeah. I just think that that's like such a, such a well shot. The way they play, I just really think that that's a very accurate depiction. They're all like good at baseball, good enough, um, and you and it definitely looks like the like the the main not the main character but whatever Benny Benny the Jet is like really he looks really athletic and like good at at whatever sport he would choose to do. He like he looks like that kid. Yeah, it is that is very realistic to have the one kid who's like, oh, you're an athlete. Okay. Yeah. You're just and like built my- a little different. And cool. like specifically Kevin Costner in Bull Durham. Yeah. It looks good. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, what's his nuts? Robbins. Tim, Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins does not look like he's at all yeah. athletic. Like his pitching. I mean, like it's, it's normal to have weird pitching styles, but. At the same time, I mean, history has given us a plethora of like very uncommonly shapen, bizarre looking major league pitchers. Oh, I'm not saying like, uh, yeah, maybe Robbins not. Himself maybe athletic, the, yeah, but but him pitching, like him actually physically pitching. Yeah. Yeah. So 
those are my contenders, but I think I'd probably say he got game, especially because it's, because it's basketball and it's the hardest one. So I want to give it credit. Yeah. It's yeah. a good one. Agreed. I'm glad you triggered my memory of that. Cause that was like a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. I watched that. I watched that this week. Um, oh, I watched wow. a lot of, I watched a lot of them this week. I <laughs> was like March for us. Um, um I was just gonna say so is it like true to the 60s or like pre like because I think we think of like the 70s there's like the very iconic like short gym shorts like very glossy with like a dominant color and then an opposite color like striped gym short and is it just how is it sort of like a group think about the 60s or is it true for the 60s why are they all wearing pants in the sandlot like the idea that it's like because of sliding peak summer I guess. Because you do not want to slide on shitty gravel without jeans on. Were they on. doing that much sliding? I yeah, guess. they did. They, there's a whole, there was a whole, uh, okay. there's no, a whole montage right, right. of them sliding into bases. I think I'd risk, I would just choose to not slide and play oh, the rest of the oh, game, not that, in pants. Even, even wearing the shitty ass nylon shit that they gave us for like, you'd tear up your legs. I guess that's like, what happens to the Canadian woman in in uh, a league of their own. That's a real bruise, supposedly. Real bruise. No, no. You got like that's. I think that's perfectly. Well, I mean, it would be really fucking hot, but like real you got like the bruises. jeans are important for those for those slides, you know, especially on a shitty ass field. Yeah, maybe we can edit that part out. I didn't realize. Do you think that today, aspect. if that happens, one kid showing up in actual <laughs> baseball spikes, or are they all wearing Converse like the cool kids? I don't think they're wearing spikes. No. I don't know. Okay. Um, I, it's doing too much to, 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 to change your shoes and you're not walking to the field in spikes. Speaking of which, was ah was the main baddie the bad kid on the opposite team in the sandlot? The drummer from School of Rock who recently died? I don't know. You don't know. I don't know if that lines up to Empire Wars. Anyway, but I'll grown up, I'll I'll raise you grown up uh Stillwell Angel Mind Freak is the bully antagonist from Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which is like really fucking weird. I don't know either That's of the things you just such said. Such a head trip. Stillwell, grown up Stillwell from League of Their Own. When they're at Cooperstown. Oh, Stillwell. Angel Mind <laughs> yeah. Freak. Um <laughs> Yeah, he's the he's like the asshole, like terrorize, like the like the asshole bully, like the rich guy, like the rich kid in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, who's a huge asshole to Pee Wee, and it's like that. horrifying. He grows into um, Stillwell Angel Mind Freak. <laughs> he grows out of Stillwell Angel Mind Freak. But I guess it could go either direction. Um, next up, best music. A very it's a good. It's a good, uh, it's rough. It's hard. I like, there's a lot of good music in these movies. I'll start. Rachel. My winner is Ali. Hmm. For best music. This was decided in the opening <laughs> scene with the Sam Cooke. Uh, you got like a medley. Statman cadence on you. <laughs> this was decided- no, I, it's also I, really I, interesting with, with One Night in Miami recently coming out, which right, is kind yeah, of yeah. very, it feels like almost... Like, oh, this is interesting. Why don't we make a movie about these parts of Ali? Yeah. Yeah, like, um, 
there's just, okay. I love the sort of like, yeah, the Sam Cooke thing in the beginning is so good. It's so long. It's like 12 minutes of this Sam Cooke concert, basically, which is very entertaining. Um, and I just like the, there's like some really beautiful 60s stuff. Um, the use of like all on the watchtower is really well done. The use of change is going to come is really well done. The use of ain't no way is really well done. They stole it from uh, Malcolm X. I'm sour about that. Oh yeah. I don't, yeah. But then it's, it's, such, a, it's such a beautiful scene for Malcolm X, but yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. Sorry, I've never seen Malcolm X, but then there's like, it transitions into the also very beautiful, like um, music. That's like when it's set in Africa, played by that sounds like it's in Africa. I, I didn't look it up, but like African dialects and things like that, um, that has a definite more like African tone to it. Um, and that's all also very, very well done. And I like the sort of blending of the two and the it very well like tracks his own sort of transition in the movie broadening out um, a lot and when does the R. Kelly song play in that movie? It's on the soundtrack. I can't remember it. It's probably on. It's probably in the end credits or some shit like that. The world's greatest. Is that yeah, the I'm not sure. I don't think it's actually in the movie. I doubt. I was it like, ew, because I was. I don't know. Trying to. There's two R. Kelly credits on that soundtrack. I did not. I picked this before looking up the actual soundtrack and seeing that there were two R. Kelly credits, and I was like, gross. Yeah, I'm pretty sure but, World's Greatest doesn't because that that song was huge and 20 years ago. And but the not R. Kelly songs in that in that really well and they just incorporated so well like there's maybe different soundtracks that i would want to like sit down and listen to but i just think that the music in that is done so well especially that first scene so my nomination was ali see i i i I don't necessarily think i had a problem specifically with the music but i did kind of have a issue with Ali and I feel like some of it was based upon kind of like the weird jumping around thing that they that he did um and that the music kind of like was an excuse like his ability like he set he relied too much on the music to set the tone and did not earn a lot of like the more serious moments because it basically like was like just jumping from like historical moments to historical moment. Like Malcolm X getting shot came out of nowhere and, and not in like a, and and it just kind of like, there was zero, you didn't know where he was. You didn't know what was happening. And it just felt, and I think the music was used as a bridge to get you to places that were not earned within the movie. And that kind of annoyed me, especially because I think maybe just, yeah, I, I thought I think I thought for a long time this movie was made by Spike Lee, so I had higher expectations for it. Um, I mean, the, yeah, all the songs are very good in it, but I just had issues. And the with music the is doing movie. too much heavy lifting that I can't. Bear. Yeah, yeah. I wish it were um, artier. I uh, you know I guess we're technically t- talking about music, but. I don't know if I'll have many other opportunities to talk Ali. Um, Rachel, you had mentioned the um, 
the opening scene with the Sam cut between him training and the Sam Cook performance. And they really, really, re- really linger on the, I don't know what the technical term is for him, like doing like the rapid succession, like little, like uh, punching bag thing. And it's like speed bag. It's called speed, a speed bag. Yeah, he's, he's speed bagging. <laughs> um, I knew he was either speed bagging or Gandalfing. Um, but anyways, he's speed bagging and they're playing Sam Cook and they're coming back to Sam Cook and it's just kind of lingering a lot on him doing the speed bag. And it just seemed very sort of thoughtful and intentional and different. And it kind of peaks there for that sort of that atmosphere and that feeling of, of the, like the aesthetic of the movie. Um, yeah. Especially if you're going to, yeah. Anyways. Um, it's a thought I had. Oh, and I guess it's me. It's my turn. Uh, pretty short and simple. Uh, I think Rocky um, for sure. Right. Cause I mean, sports, music and sports are so, you know, have such a sort of tight relationship and it's hard to not like sort of, put a put a bow on it with the the rocky music and i had such a i guess for lack of a better word delightful way of coming to the full rocky theme by watching and because growing up the last 30 years or you know, if you've grown up in the last 30 years you rocky is on a you know you know rocky through osmosis and for all the years leading up to me seeing it for the first time, you know, I knew like, but you don't, I never knew I, I had never, I spent my whole life until watching it for the first time a few years ago, not hearing like the little horn flourish at the end where there's like the key change with like the trumpet or something. And I'll never forget watching Rocky for the first time. And you get the United artists logo and you get the like, you know, from top to bottom screen, Rocky go across and that horn flourish came in and it was like, holy shit. Like imagine like going like almost 30 years hearing 90% of the Star Wars theme. And then you finally <laughs> sit down and watch Star Wars. It's like, whoa, there was, there's more to the Star Wars theme and it's really good. Um, I just love that little, I don't know. Is that a key change? Is, is that, I guess it's a key change, right? Is it? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of an easy, obvious answer, but specifically the Rocky theme, right? I think it's, we could be pigeonholed, Rachel and I, saying that something like Gonna Fly Now and the whole Philadelphia-ness um, is our favorite, but really just the, 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 the main theme itself really gets me going, baby. Also Moneyball, I like the Moneyball score a lot. Those are my two. I fucking love that Moneyball score. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I kept thinking it was by um, what's his name? Nine Inch Nails guy. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, it's really it's because it's very social networky. Yeah, I always think that that movie is also directed by David Fincher. I always forget. <laughs> yeah, mine. I mean, it's kind of cheating, but mine is Creed oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. for best music. I think like. It obviously has a wonderful base to build on in that it's able to use. But like I was jumping up and down when the Rocky theme started. I mean, it's, it's using the Rocky theme. I get it. It's kind of cheating. But when the Rocky theme gets used in the last fight in the 12th round or whatever, when he's like walking, it's like 
it, it I think it builds on Rocky. Also, like the way Ludwig Gordonson like intertwines the Rocky theme with like more kind of rap and DJ style things. I don't love this the songs that Tessa Thompson's character was making, but at least mm-hmm. I think the interesting thing about them is that they are of a genre. They're not just like pop songs. They actually like, I think they're like, he's actually creating a character and creating the music that that character would make, which I think yeah. is interesting. A character who um, loves Erica Badu and yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and just like, I, I just, and some of the, the drops, I forget if it's, I think it's, is it a Meek Mill song in the, cancer montage when the uh he's the running and he calls all the atvs and bikes to back yeah. him yeah i feel like that goes to a nine when it should have gone to an 11 like the music of it like i, I always am waiting for something bigger to happen musically in that scene and it never does hmm the guy was like oh and then that other thing's gonna happen right because this is really epic and then it kind of like cuts I don't know. I didn't have that feeling. My opinion. Um. Yeah, I just yeah, I loved. I really like. I, mean, I, I love, love that, that scene, soundtrack. Though. Um. Yeah, and my runner-ups the... were Rocky. Yeah. Um. Chariots of Fire. I mean, I especially someone who really is not a big like pure like a synth i like don't love especially 80s synth stuff like oh my god that's like oh, as good turns, as it gets oh it turns like my me page off break. my page break <laughs> what i have a i have a worst music but i forgot about it because it's at it's exactly at my page break on my notes so it looks like my best music is one two three but i had a four that's worst music and it's at the top of my next page my page break you guys <laughs> okay well we can get there um but so that so it's like it's a, it's especially telling of how good the chariots and fire soundtrack is that i love it so much because it's so synthy and it also like it just incorporates it's like synth and strings in a way that i feel like so ahead of its time um and and was using was using synths not just because it was the 80 and it's like it's super interesting because it's like about 1930 something it's pretty closely after world war one right 1920s okay and it's like there's no sin so it's it's very kind of, it could feel like oh this is just the 80s doing soundtracks but it feels it's very timeless um so that that's the premise and, of my worst music so and apologies to jerry goldsmith who is on the mount rushmore of film composers without a doubt but the hoosiers score hoosiers is set in 1951 it looks like 1951 but it has this like completely anachronistic synth mid eighties film score, which is just like so jarring and kooky and weird. And Oh my God, I can't like makes my hair stand on inch release. So where's yeah, music and users. And, and that's what the interesting thing I'm sure is a fire. Cause it's like, it's more using the synth for like it's actual like effects and feel than just cause it's a synth and cause it's the eighties. And I think that it just works so well. Um, and yeah. And I also like really Moneyball and like the natural has, I mean, it's, it's kind of on the nose, but I do like the natural score. 
Uh, it was See, it's not oh. going to be my top, but like the the music basically going along the like I mean the the hitting the lights out and and the that slow mo with the sparks falling down. I mean, I don't know. It hits a it's it hits a specific spot in me, and I think that's that's part of the reason. Other than that, I have no memory of the score. <laughs> well, I kept thinking because it sounds like it's it sounds like the score to a Superman movie, which I guess makes sense it is and what they're going for with the natural but man i do not like the natural <laughs> <laughs> um kind of similar sentiment as before since i don't know if i'll get to talk about the natural again i don't want to cut the schmoolies too deep but i exclaimed during our screening of the natural that it felt like if uh ryan johnson made a baseball movie that's how I, I was feeling. So much. That's how I was feeling watching the net. There's just so many moments where I was I just compelled to say, "Oh my god, this is so dumb," <laughs> which is kind of the vibe for me for the lot of beats from Ryan Johnson movies. Like this is just so dumb. It's so. I dumb. agree. With, I agree with you for the natural. <laughs> I don't agree with you about other giant Ryan Johnson movies. Um, yeah, it, it it like I don't know. It believed its own hype too much, and like the whole mythology thing, it's just kind of annoying. Um, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, a, a very uh, normal, um. I mean, I guess Glenn Close's character is kind of interesting, but like so many of the female characters in these sports movies are oh, poor terrible, Hirsch, like terribly built characters. Hirsch done dirty twice. Um, there's a and and I I also I watched them back to back because, well, I don't know if they're back to back in the list, but an interesting double feature for uh, for yeah, Barbara Hershey. Um. With her, with her, and who I actually I kind of enjoyed. I mean, it's a very stereotypical part of like the women that he has to win over. Um, but she, I think she does well, and I think I like her acting in Hoosiers. Uh, you can have anything you want, just don't touch Jimmy. <laughs> uh, yeah, those, Jimmy Chitwood. Those, those are my. Are we not talking about the movies enough as we go through, or? I think we're doing just fine. I think in this with fine. 19 movies, if there's a movie that doesn't get talked about, it's probably it's probably crazy. fine. Yeah. Going on to the next one. Caught best in the best romance. Romance. I feel like there's okay. one answer, right? Everybody say Rocky and Adrian on three. One, two, three, Rocky, Rocky Adrian. and Adrian. That's probably the best one. Maybe the best one of all time. It's really good. The first <laughs> sex scene, though, freaks the fuck out of me. It's though. weird. Yeah, it doesn't. Him like doesn't not letting well. her leave the room is not great. After that, then, I love their chemistry. Yeah. I like there. It's so good. I mean, how like weird and like quirky, but not in the normal like movie quirky, just like truly weird. Both of the characters are. Yes, that's yeah. it. It works so well. Um, like him talking to himself, he makes so many choices 
I don't know if that's just Sylvester Stallone, <laughs> but like there's so many things that he does and so many, like the way the script is written, just like, I, I yeah, their chemistry is so good. And you believe just, it, you believe how quickly they go from just like her being very reserved and just like him kind of bringing her out of her shell and how that affects her relationship with her brother. Yeah, that romance, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> Polly, oh man. It's like, what I love about it is, and maybe it's because like rom-coms hadn't been invented yet, but they had, like they had like early whatever. There's just, there's they're not tropes at all. Mm. You know, like neither of them are a romantic trope. And it's so often in romantic things in movies, especially sports movies where the romances tend to be very um, like short. So because of their economy, they just sort of like, they tend to rely on pretty quick, easy tropes. Let's fit it in. Let's get it done. Here now. They're just, like you said, both such little weirdos um, that they completely aren't, they are not like any two characters you have ever seen fall in love on screen before. Like I've never yeah, seen characters really true. like really that true. fall in love. And that is more than they're like more normal people than most romantic tropes are. And so that's like the most, like this is the beginning of it is the best and the most just cause they're as individual people so different from and, what you get in that kind of movie and then when you sort of get to the end her like it just feels like sometimes in these movies when you have like the fiercely loyal woman it's very stretched but it just feels earned like i believe every second of it like she will stand by him 100 percent of the way because like and when she shows up weirdo, at the arena, he's a weirdo and like it just it just hits different like even like continuing on into creed when he's like going and talking to her, her grave and things oh, like that like so just <laughs> yeah like, him and adrian are the are the best romance in creed as well it's a good point it's really well said. <laughs> like it's just i think that there's just something i love how they just like made these and this is a this is a credit to sylvester Stallone. it's a writing credit i guess performance too but i think that this is a writing thing like he just made these two very distinct people that happened to fall in love. He didn't say, this is a romance. We need to have these five beats of a romance. How can we get these people to fit into those five beats in a satisfying way? Which is like a way a lot of romances, especially in when, when you have to have economy work. It's, I mean, like amazing work, amazing work. It also benefits and I'm not a boxing fan, so I, I didn't necessarily think like uh, like bo- a movie about boxing is not especially interesting to me. But the nice thing about a sports movie about boxing is that a lot of the times there's not that much actual boxing matches in the movie. Like at most in Creed, there's three. But for the most of the other time, you're training and it's and boxing training is perfect for montage compared to like basketball is like boring as hell montage about like just see someone shooting over and over again like that's mm-hmm. terrible but boxing really like for a sports movie there's less of the sport than a lot of the other movies and that benefits the non-sports part of for instance rocky the romance like you get more time to develop that because you're not spending that much time in an in on the court or in the arena i think that yeah I was I was saying earlier when she shows up at the arena at the end in the red beret and the black jumpsuit, man, 
<laughs> and also, so good. I, think, <laughs> I think part of the issue with Creed is that they're too pretty. They're too beautiful. The two of them. It's like hard. Oh. It's hard to really get invested in a relationship between two people that amazing. Also, I'm not entirely sure how good of an actor Michael B. Jordan is. So there's that issue. Um, well, I other- think their, their relationship is is more enticing than necessarily the romance which i think is also like that's fine that the movie kind of does like there's one kind of sex scene in <laughs> in the well that movie is also more invested in the relationship between donnie yeah. and so, rocky than they're yeah. like everything in rocky is invested and that's also like credit again to sly stallone for like being like this is a movie where a woman is the second biggest character and she's gonna get like a lot like there's not some sort of bromance on the side that everyone is actually is the one that everyone cares about because i think doing that in a sports movie is a lot harder than like the bromance which like all of them have well also the just the the relationship yeah the relationship between them is be, because in my opinion the relationship between Michael B. Jordan and, and um, Sly in Creed is like one of the best on-screen relationships like ever. It completely eclipses, like Sam was saying, that you know the Rocky and Adrian relationship in Creed is better than the Adonis and um, Bianca uh, yeah. relationship. But and not that it's a zero-sum game, or you know, they can't both be good. But I, I because they kind of came out around the same time same director i really like his black panther performance michael b jordan like really 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 like it um like probably like it more than creed a little bit oh, but i don't i like creed better um i do maybe it's maybe that's like a mark that it's like not good acting. Cause like, I know I may be being manipulated, but because he's like so steeled against like a lot of people and environments throughout the movie, you can like, there's like subtleties to his interact, especially his early interactions with the Tessa Thompson character where he's like softening up and just like, feels like very organically like excited to be a part of like a budding romance, which to me at least felt like like good acting because almost to a fault it's like okay yeah he's like angry all the time and gonna punch something if the scene doesn't end but when he's with tessa thompson um like when they're going like when they get the cheese steaks and whatnot um or like when he's when she when they're in her apartment for the first time and listening to her music there's that what feels like a very improv interaction between them like him talking about her music or something like that that he felt very genuine um yeah he does the freestyle which i like the freestyle was freestyle's actually, good i like the. i mean i yeah it, it was very cringy dopey, for me but, but it worked I well like it. yeah <laughs> I like it. yeah another i mean bar the ending that we've already talked about i was pretty invested in the romance and love and basketball and like the depiction like yeah. going all the way back um and kind of like you really like so much of the projection of his interactions with his father and kind of like you you really get a sense of that relationship as a proxy for kind of what's going on in both of their lives that are given in sense and just all the talk of of like priorities i think like many other movies like will give lip service to that or kind of have small plot points but kind of the whole idea of their 
of them kind of put their push and pull between their relationship in basketball, literally love and basketball um, is Wait really good. <laughs> and and no. I think Omar Epps is fine. Um, but what's her name? I can't remember her name right now. She's really, really good in that movie. I think you have to give Love Basketball credit for being the only one that has like, except for maybe Bend It Like Beckham, but I think that even that's a stretch. A relationship between, oh, it's Sana Lathan. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, rela- a relationship between two ambitious people. Yeah. Like, it's pretty easy to depict a relationship when one, one, one of them is just kind of always there. I mean, Creed is kind of like that, kind of ish. Yeah, but like, I except for the one time where he aggressively ruins her like concert. But that's a big. But it becomes yeah. a big. It's deal. a big deal. Yeah. yeah, I guess. But it does seem like she's perfectly happy to like drop everything and like go to Ireland. That's not a problem. Liverpool. Liverpool. It's a similar accent. It's kind of the basis for the accent. Um. Like I don't know. Do um Home do you guys toffees. do you guys cry at the end of Rocky like I do every time? No. When did I? Cry? I can't explain it. I just it's I mean because I can count on I can recite and count on one hand the amount of movies that have made me cry in the last twenty years. So when Han Solo and The Force Awakens when they do that back and forth about the lineage of Millennium Falcon ownership. And then he says, like, blah, 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 who stole it from me? And, like, you tell him that Han Solo has stolen, like, the Millennium Falcon for the last time. That always makes me cry. Um, wow. And then with John, <laughs> I feel really dopey that the two of them are Star Wars movies. So in The, in the Last Jedi. You shouldn't feel dopey. When Gwendolyn I'm so Christie, glad that it's The Last Jedi, though. But when That's Gwendolyn funny. Christie, I love this scene so much. When she when she's fighting John Boyega and she says, you'll always be scum. And then John Boyega says, rebel scum. When he says rebel scum, it makes see that's cry interesting because it's not it's not necessarily the I movie making you so cry. Much. It's a pre it's like your relationship to the whole thing. It's right. like you were crying yeah. because of other movies. Yeah. Like I I started to tear up at uh, I feel like Smith's, I already I've teared up Smith right now already. Just, <laughs> this doing the rebel scum thing, I just I love it just so much. After, I don't even just like after that movie that much. You don't even like that scene that much. Yeah. I love that movie. And what was the end of Rocky? The end of, when, he's, when he's saying, when he's calling out to Adrian, and it's Rocky. Adrian! Rocky! <laughs> I started crying when, just after Malcolm X dies in Ali oh. when, when Will Smith is in the car. See, I cry when other people cry. And oh. like, it's that kind of that him just, like the silence that really fucks me up. Um, I thought at first I you were saying that- in Malcolm X, when they play Sam Cooke and he's on his way to the hall, the dance hall. And it's that weird, like Spike Lee sort of thing where they like take away the car at one point and he's sort of like moving. I don't even know how you, it's like, it's a Spike oh, Lee yeah. thing that he does and they're playing. It's like the end of, um, gonna come. of, of uh, Oh, Lansen. I mean, I love that. That movie is so good. Yes. Yeah. That, I think I cried multiple times in that movie. I don't remember. Um, I think back to my point about why their couplehood is so sweet. Again, like just the economy and like sort of bravado of like, it's a simple moment that most movies would not make very impactful. Just like 
at the end, he wants to see Adrian and he says, Adrian, and then she comes over. Like that would not be big deal there, but he, it's just such a good payoff. And it is very effective. Like he's, you know, Adrian, Adrian, Rocky. Like it's like very mm-hmm. known, but it's not like a big, it's a very small moment. It's very simple. It's not very innovative, but it's both like the way it's shot in the moment and the payoff of it. And just like, because you know, he loves her so much and she loves him so much. But if you, otherwise it would just be like, oh yeah, his girlfriend then came over. And I think she says, I love you. Once she gets into the ring, she says, I love you. I think it's the first, I think it's the first time she says, I love you. Oh, I love him (laughs) so much. great movie it's the only also answer. love the mic drop that the shot like the like the mic vision or like like the mic point of view sort of i guess not mic point of view but it's like the bird's eye view in the ring where they show the mic to send at the start of the creed rocky fight best for second best romance is my romance with that shot i like it a lot <laughs> <laughs>